Ashley on Two Girls, One Podcast. Can Michael K. convince Jennifer that he's here for the right reasons? Will Bradley lower his standards to get that coveted rose? Why the hell would two people go on a date in a shark diving cage? All this and more will be revealed in this week's episode. And now, here are the hosts whose love lives could be described as a tight one-hour reality show edit, Alison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hey everyone, I'm Allie. And I'm Lindsay. And we're your hosts of Two Girls, One Podcast, and we have breaking news today. Which is that Lindsay and I are going to be contestants on The Bachelorette. It's, nope, almost, but we couldn't be contestants. We couldn't be contestants on The Bachelorette, Allie. I'm so excited to be a contestant with you. No, Isn't that how it works? No. We're going to be This is how you find out that Allie has literally (laughs) never watched it. If we were contestants, we would be contestants on The Bachelor because we are competing for a bachelor. No, they're going to be competing for us, Lindsay. I've thought this through. Oh, God. It's so gonna we're both going to be season. doing a double. That seems we're like gonna a nightmare. We're going to be like. <laughs> New format. <laughs> you know, we're going to be like, do you like them loud? Welcome. Uh, yikes. Yikes and a half. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I also want everyone to know that I have never watched an episode of The Bachelor, but I watched my first one in preparation for today's episode. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, was is your horrible? wife going to join us today? Because we could really use her insights here. It's funny. She began watching it ironically because she just felt the, the FOMO of like everyone else being part of it. And it and also, you know, a pandemic watch, just something Likely so, story. so dumb. And then uh, she got invested and she's pretty excited about today's episode because she's a very online person and works in the digital world, as as we all do, and uh, is is equally fascinated by how that this television cinematic universe instantly goes into Instagram. Like all these contestants and and uh, suitors and whatever migrate instantly into the social media world and become influencers in their own right. And I think that's what we're going to get into today, right? Excellent yeah. segue slash explanation. Our guest runs Bachelor Data. I think sometimes it's also called Bachelor Nation Data. And she uses The Bachelor to teach Excel and Google Sheets and visualize data and trends all using The Bachelor uh, franchise, which is um, interesting and fun. And welcome to all of our new listeners who just found us because (laughs) of this episode and hate that we just bashed The Bachelor. Well, I mean, I think that people who are fans of The Bachelor have to know that pe- you know they, they're yeah, aware of it, kind of like Matt, you were saying your wife. Like, but they do hate it when people just openly bash it. I know this because I was invited to like a social gathering where it's this group of people, mostly women, who all watch The Bachelor together. And it was my first time seeing an episode of The Bachelor. And I was like, wait, these people aren't real, right? Is this some kind of parody? Why <laughs> Why are the only people that are in contention 
white? Why is everyone skinny? And I was just asking like so many questions. And I was like, is it a requirement that you have to work out to be on the show? Like, this doesn't seem like reality. I think they should <laughs> rename the show to be America's Next Top Influencer. Because that's really mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's a com- yeah. it's an influencer competition. It's true. And the people who are the most successful turn out to be very influencery post as well. Yeah. But a lot of these people actually get married. Yes. They're here to I'm get so married and people about. actually get married. Well, I'm sure she has the data on that. So I'm excited to ask. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's this there's this culture in the show that's like oh, this is the process and do you believe in this process? And I'm like, yeah, I would like to see the data of like how many of these relationships are still going three, five years later. Like is is the process of finding your soulmate on a game show actually better than Tinder or or going to a bar, statistically speaking? That's what I would like to answer today. Well, I think the bigger question is a lot of scenarios are self-selective. Mm. So... Are you mm-hmm. successfully finding the personality type for you if you mm-hmm. go on The Bachelor or Bachelorette? And for some people, perhaps that answer is yes. Like if you're like, mm-hmm. my life goal is to meet my husband and have a YouTube channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But seriously, if you're like, that's the lifestyle, you know, you're finding people with like, with similar goals. But something that's, that's interesting point. is they've had also some like, I don't want to say legit, but. Like, well, okay. first of all, there are 23 seasons of The Bachelor, which is (laughs) incredible, really. Including The Bachelorette, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. All I know is that I watched um, episode one, season 23 of The Bachelor. (laughs) All I know. Yeah, and there's Bachelor in Paradise, right? There's like all these spinoffs. But um, but I do remember when I was living in San Francisco that there was one of the bachelors was like a tech entrepreneur at one point. So they do get people that are not necessarily just looking to be influencers. I don't know. I don't know. They get but people is... from all walks of life who are young and fit and mostly white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if she's that's tracked... all walks of life to you. I wonder if she's <laughs> tracked that data as well, Lindsay. We should mm. definitely ask because I think they've made a slight effort to be more diverse. And in season 23, um, there were a couple of non-white candidates. But I wonder if that's something she's tracked as well. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, there have been three non-white, I guess four now, non-white leads mm-hmm. where The Bachelor they had a non-white bachelor recently, and he is dating a racist. Yay, good job, bachelor. Oh, <laughs> um, I remember that. Yeah. Like something surfaced about her from high school, maybe? Yeah, and he didn't pick the beautiful black teacher, but that's okay because now she's the bachelorette. Hopefully she's going to find love. Oh, so Lindsay pretends not to know about this, but <laughs> she knows all about it. Lindsay's I like, never pretended five, not seven. to know. <laughs> Katie said this to Amanda. Yeah, We are here to reveal that Lindsay is bachelor data. She is behind <laughs> the account. Data. She's keeping her own statistics here. We are interviewing here, Lindsay. No. <laughs> Surprise. No, no, no. I just live with two people who are very much into the bachelor name so I've learned how to like question without being derisive, which is mm-hmm. important, which is how everything, anything people love, they don't want you to shit all over it. But just casually pointing out it's pretty racist and sizist is pretty 
mm-hmm. okay, they're 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 accepting of that. They're like, oh yeah, we know. But here's my question: <laughs> Are they making progress or not? No, okay. no, not because enough. I want to see progress. No, they're not. They're not making progress. It's pretend. They're pretending to make progress so people can be. It's like when uh, Chick Fil A franchises are like, we don't donate to bad causes, but the franchise donates to the head who donates to bad causes. It's like the Bachelor's like, yeah, we have a black bachelorette, but everybody else is still pretty racist. <laughs> so maybe it's it's a little too much tokenism and not enough uh, progress. And then oh, for also, sure. I wonder how many more years it will take to see a same-sex uh, bachelor or bachelorette Ooh, The bachelor just came out as gay. The bachelor. I know, I he was that, the bachelor. Sure, but like That's to format the entire show around a same-sex relationship, that would be uh, interesting. I'm, I'm guessing we're going to get a gay season. white man before we get an, a straight Asian man. That's interesting. like, I'm going to put money on that right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm excited for both of those seasons. No, I'm excited for the gay season and that's it. Let's be serious. <laughs> oh, you're not, you're not. I think it would be great to have a straight Asian man Basically, as the Bachelor. Basically, I want to see a RuPaul. And someone's going to be like, it happened. And I'll be like, really? Because I don't know anything about it. I want to so see a RuPaul have been Bachelor mashup. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like, in, you know what I mean? I, I don't like Crossover. all the ceremonies or whatever and the roses. It's really just drag. <laughs> what about a dating show where it's a bunch of gay men they're they can only interact in drag and they choose someone and then at the end it's revealed what they both actually look like not in drag so it's Ma- masked singer meets bachelor yeah. meets rupaul well, have you seen yeah, i think, think? ali you need to watch the show sexy beast that's your show oh it's- that's true i do need to <laughs> yeah. watch that that yeah how That's... many of our listeners have jerked off to that show? That's what I want to know. Because we got a lot of furries listening. But it's not just furries. That show is everything. I mean. That show is everything. Honestly. It's great. I, that show I haven't watched yet. But the, I think what I love most about it is the work it's providing for makeup artists. Because that's got to be a dream fucking job for a makeup artist. Yeah, what you is get to show? go to England. You get to it's put elaborate. makeup on not a famous person, so they're not like demanding. Matt, they and dress as you like do whatever very you want. elaborate creatures. Is it a fiction? F- and is it's it a dating narrative? Show. It's a, a dating, dating show. show. So you're like, I'm a zebra, and I'm dating a squid, and I'm not going to find out what this person actually looks like for way later. Yeah, okay. it's basically so like later. speed dating. It's like the TV show Next plus elaborate um get-ups so you can't see what people look like so basically there'll be like one person who's the lead and they go on dates with all these other people and after the speed dating round they eliminate they're like i'm gonna eliminate the centaur and then it's like okay and then they take all the makeup off the centaur and he comes out and the woman who eliminated him and the two other guys who are still in the run and get to see them Mm-hmm. what they normally look like and they're like oh dang they're hot or it's like oh i don't feel like i'm really missing out he's cute but not my type or something right right there was one time where the woman who got eliminated it was a terrible guy was the lead and all of the women were like just mostly interested in each other they're like oh you're such an interesting person like i hope you don't get saddled with this jerk and then like the first one to get eliminated was so pretty that one of the other women's jaw like dropped to the floor and she was like oh my God, you're beautiful. And it was so funny. But they like don't care. They didn't care about the guy at all. They were just like complimenting each other, saying how smart and funny each other were. I'm like, these women are just going to be friends and nobody's going to go out on a date with this guy. (laughs) 
Netflix yeah. is so interesting how it's capitalized on every single niche. Like, like there's also I watched two episodes of the autism dating show Love on the Spectrum. Love on the Spectrum. Oh wow, never even mm-hmm. heard of that. Yeah, no, they're they're capturing every market huh. that they possibly can, which I kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, and they're proving that everybody likes everything. Like they they used the whole goal of media up until the streaming situation was to market to the broadest element, mm-hmm. right? Right. And Netflix is doing the exact opposite of that. They're like, we're going to find something great that's totally in Spanish and we're going to put it we're going to push it hard on our platform and it's going to be a global sensation. With or, a minor asterisk, I, I think the strategy is more like we're going to do everything for everyone a little bit. And then when one thing catches on, we're going to go really hard on that and throw the rest in the trash. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. But, you know, I. Netflix oh, you're is sad also since notorious. Eight got canceled too, huh? Yeah, yeah, for for canceling yeah. things that just do not perform, and that's that's the business. But uh, I do applaud them for trying, though. I guess if you have infinite money, you can try all the things. I mean, it, they're yeah. basically, you know, they're they're baby basically A B C D E F G testing sh- television in a way that network can't. They only yes. have limited amount of uh, ABC, airwaves. ABC, BS, NBCing television. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that they can try to capitalize on every single niche and see what hits but it is good for the niches that explode because those would never have gotten right the, the visibility without yeah. the testing so it's, the, it is good they're sparking a lot of conversations i mean we're getting away from the bachelor which is not even on netflix it's on hulu um but they netflix itself is b- bringing to light so many different things like just with they have a show that's basically an ad, a, a season long advertisement for formula one racing, but people are getting into formula one racing in a way that is so weird. It was like when people started getting into soccer in the nineties and you're like, I've been following Liverpool ever since Michael Owen played with them. And now everybody's following Liverpool. It's crazy. That's mm-hmm. what's happening for formula one right now. But because largely because of this Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I- But the other thing about The Bachelor is dating shows have been around forever, but, and I'm curious what our guest has to say, you could argue that The Bachelor is what spawned so many of these. Like, I feel like The Bachelor was like such a cultural phenomenon that made other networks and then streaming services like really lean into dating shows. Maybe. Hypothesis. There have been dating shows since forever. It's just this this sort of long form version of it, like the dating game, the newlywed game. Those are like smaller versions of dating shows. And I guess the newlywed games is post you already got together. But The Bachelor really put it into an extended format where it's like survivor of the dating. Yeah. Right, right. And this extended universe of like, m- for most of network history, hey, you're a contestant. Thanks for playing on to the next people. But whoever, whatever genius at the these reality shows was like, no, 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 this character you liked from last season, we're bringing them back as a contestant. We're bringing them back as a, as the new bachelor or bachelorette. Mm-hmm. That longevity, in addition to like, you know, a six month season or whatever the fuck it is, that's genius like yeah. the spin-offs of the spin-offs of the spin-offs of this universe are like star warsian and game of thronesian in their own way that's crazy 
I like the idea of bachelor contestants, like just chopping each other's heads off on different, (laughs) on different platforms. (laughs) You're like, damn, Rachel really had it in for Rebecca. But well, I think it's time for trivia, is it not? It's time for trivia. We got a lot of questions for our guests today. So we're going to get trivia out of the way. Um, So we're talking about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and throughout history, as you can probably guess, uh, being unmarried, a.k.a. a bachelor or bachelorette, has been frowned upon when conservative societies suffer from moral panic. I'm sorry to say, I know two out of three people in this room are unmarried right now, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you live in certain times in history, not so good. I'm going to share three examples of legal penalties inflicted upon unmarried people by their respective governments and societies. One of these is true. The other two I made up. Are you prepared? (laughs) Yes. A. In the 1820s, the U.S. state of Missouri levied a bachelor tax on all unmarried men, hoping the tax burden would compel men to settle down and start families. The cost of being a bachelor in 1821, $1 per year. (laughs) Pay up. That's choice A. (laughs) B, in ancient Rome, unmarried men over the age of 25 were forced by imperial decree to wear a carved fashionus, fashionus, I don't know how to pronounce that, around their necks. This was the divine embodiment of the phallus, which would signal to women that they were unmarried and available. Basically, get married or you have to wear this penis necklace in public at all times in ancient Rome. That's number, <laughs> cool. number B. Choice B. Choice C. In Argentina in the early 1900s, unmarried men were legally required to sit for a biannual three-hour seminar on how to woo women in the hopes that the government could train men to find a wife and settle down. However, if you could prove that you had asked a woman to marry you in the past six months and she declined, you're all good. You'd be exempt from the class. (laughs) Which of these is true? A real government policy around being a bachelor. B is real. Mm, I think so too. Because there was a word that Matt didn't know how to say in it. (laughs) Yeah, and nobody ever like actually penalizes men for this. Yeah. So I have a lot of trouble believing that they had to pay up. And and I have trouble believing they had to take a class. But the Greeks making people wear dick necklaces adds up. Was it Greeks or French? Uh, it's the it's the ancient Romans, and I will say all <laughs> so of neither these. Of us were right. Neither we weren't paying attention ancient so bad. Romans, That's fine. Yeah, Romans, Greeks. I don't know. They put like fucking on their pottery. You know what I mean? Like they're they're down. <laughs> and all these are about men. I should say all of these choices. Obviously, two are, yeah, are made up. Yeah, but I, I have trouble imagining they'd charge them at a dollar. But wait, making them wear dicks on dicks feels like yeah. a manly thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it feels, yeah. So I think it's B as well. Wow. Two for B. We we're will not find even out. diversifying. Yeah. No, no diversification. We're too but confident. That's, you, it's you probably confident, C. You feel strong. That's we something they did at MIT. If ancient Roman penis necklaces are the correct answer after this very important commercial break. 
Okay, everyone, the moment has come for us to tell you who will get our rose. And of course, it's only the people who are contributing at the $10 or more level to our Patreon. That's right. We can be bought. (laughs) Yes. So my first rose goes to Wesley Cordell. And mine to Jerry Duran. And this beautiful yellow rose goes to Jessica Fox. Oh, wait, I just found a tulip for Kathy Phillips. Oh, my goodness. Look at this beautiful purple chrysanthemum for Matthew Scott. Is that a calla lily for Melissa Elliott? This beautiful orchid is going straight to William. And my personal favorite flower, the blue passion flower, Google it, it's fucking crazy, goes to Allison. Thank you so much for contributing to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. And now, a real post entitled, Janine from Canyon Village. From the very website that inspired Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Next door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. People. When you are sitting in the comfort of your own home, watching porn, apparently on a soundbar from what info I can get, you may not realize that you are broadcasting it through my Samsung Smart Hub refrigerator. Please disconnect from my device. When I was on the plane to Panama, I kept getting requests to connect to strangers bluetooth (laughs) oh oh, it's just an honest mistake yeah and then i wanted to have someone connect to mine and i would play porn that would be the move Mm -hmm. there you go now you know Mm -hmm. we learn from these Mm -hmm. ads Mm -hmm. (laughs) how to grow and influence it's trivia time that's right being unmarried, being a bachelor or a bachelorette, sometimes in history, uh, you, your, your government doesn't like it. They're going to put some rules in place to get these people married. What is Which of these is true about unmarried people and their respective societies? Uh, nobody chose A, that uh, in 1820s Missouri, you had to pay $1 a year in taxes, a bachelor tax, if you were unmarried. Uh, everybody chose B. That in ancient Rome, if you were over the if a man over the age of 25, you had to wear a good old penis around your neck to let the ladies know you were available. <laughs> or was it C? Uh, in the early 1900s, unmarried men were legally required to sit through a seminar on how to pick up the ladies. You both went with B. You felt you they sounded very confident. Possible. They all mm-hmm. seem possible. I'm sticking with B. Oh, my God. It better be B. I feel a lot of pressure to change because we don't usually pick the same ones. But you know what? I'm I'm going to go with B, too, as well. The correct answer is A, the bachelor tax. The bachelor tax. Nothing gets people married quicker than losing money being not (laughs) married. 
<laughs> yeah, do we have the data? Did it influence the uh, marriage rates? Bachelor taxes have been imposed throughout history as a way to stem moral panic around unmarried, childless people. Uh, parentheses. This is often to oppress minorities as well. Uh, basically, hey, if if those other people would just get married and settle down, they would stop causing trouble in our society. Uh, this has obviously never worked. It's a bunch <laughs> of shit. Uh, but it has happened in ancient Rome, the Ottoman Empire, Elizabeth, Elizabethan England, South Africa, and a variety of U.S. states. Uh, in more modern wow. times, this was mostly in the 19th century. Uh, according to Wikipedia, there are currently no countries or municipalities currently uh, that have a bachelor tax. But uh, just give it time. I think it'll come back around and, and fail again. I'm wondering, like, do I want that again so that maybe I'll get married up? Penalizing the men. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that it always revolved around men. It seemed to be, we need these men to get married so that they would stop causing, stop causing trouble, trouble or something. Yeah. Or so that they would just be trouble for a woman. Yeah, yeah. Keep <laughs> it in your own society. house and yeah. uh, get, get off the street. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I guess you couldn't tax the women because what year was this? Uh, in Missouri, 1821. A dollar right, a year so, is, is not insignificant, I think, at right, that time. But also you can't tax the women because they don't have any they money. They couldn't own property yet. There right? you go. I mean, That's a good point. They didn't yeah. have money. Well, mm. you could own property if you were an unmarried oldest daughter. Mm. Which is why a lot of women did not get married because as soon as they got married, all of their property went to their spouse. Yeah. 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 What a system. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. Well, you know, in Japan, they're starting to do a lot of incentivizing of people getting together because the birth rate has fallen so much, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in America, we just have The Bachelor. <laughs> getting people together right. one season at a time <laughs> let's do it we are so excited to have our guest with us please welcome Susanna Summers she is the founder of Bachelor Data welcome thanks for having me I'm excited to be here we are very excited even though the two of us know very little Allie knows even less <laughs> that was harsh <laughs> just in general it has nothing to do with the, the topic what did I do wrong <laughs> No, just about The Bachelor. Oh, no. Allie is a very, very smart woman. She knows a lot about a lot of things. And we are excited to know more about The Bachelor and The Bachelor Nation and how specifically you got into doing Bachelor data. Yeah. So I have been I've been watching the show since, gosh, 2009. And I've, I mean, I've always been interested in the show. It's been my you know, you get home on a Monday night, relax in your PJs, eat some ice cream, watch the show. But around 20, oh gosh, when was this? This was about three, four years ago. I was promoted to a technology director position and I was not ready for it. And everyone expected me to know how to use Excel. And for a few months, I was struggling. I was trying to learn on YouTube how to use Excel, and everything <laughs> I was finding was just so boring. Like monotoned <laughs> people talking about finance, which I mean, finance can be pretty cool, but I mean, in monotone, it is not cool. Right. Kill me. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to the channel today. <laughs> today, we'll be doing some formulas. We're going to do a spreadsheet. 
Don't forget to smash that like button. You have inflection there. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Like, I don't know how these people don't change the tone of their voice, but... I I decided I was going to make it fun. So Colton season was about to start, if anybody does watch the show. Oh, Colton. I watched episode <laughs> one of Colton to prepare for this episode. I'm ready. Oh. <laughs> it was a wild season. And anyway, I decided to just start tracking all their Instagram followers because at the time I had been lurking on Reddit and everyone always talked about Instagram followers, how much growth they get. So I was like, why don't I start tracking this? So I made a spreadsheet and every day I'd open up every single Instagram profile and I'd track their follower counts. And through the process of posting about this on Reddit, I finally started posting. I would get all this awesome feedback and ideas. And Wait, can I interrupt you for one second? Where on Reddit? Is there a big, a big Bachelor subreddit or? There is. There's a Bachelor okay. subreddit. It's just r slash The Bachelor. And um, it was great. I'd post on there and people would be so excited. And, you know, they'd be like, hey, have you thought about doing this? And through that process of having a lot of excitement around the data I was collecting and then figuring out I was doing a lot of things that were manual that could be much easier if I learned how to use functions, I basically taught myself how to use it. Wow. That's kind of the dream. So you hated something and so you tried to make it not terrible and now you love it. Exactly. By putting something that you love along with it. Yeah. And I mean, through my day job too, I mean, I work in education. So I'm a K-12 technology director. And I mean, the data that I was working with too was pretty boring. I mean, it was like state testing data, attendance, beha- like it's not fun data to play with. And like, if I'm going to sit down and learn how to use something that I'm not excited about, might as well integrate it with something that I do enjoy, like The Bachelor. Interesting. I have a small technical question just for my own background and hopefully our listeners. So what what kind of things are you teaching on Excel? Because to me, Excel seems very straightforward, but I'm not doing anything fancy with it. So what are the different things that you're able to teach and show using Bachelor data? Oh, gosh, so much. So I mean, simple <laughs> things from taking their Instagram followers and figuring out how to rank them, showing differences in the data. I mean, it it starts in Excel, but then the next level is actually why I created my Instagram account uh, last year in 2020 was to take the next step on data visualization and telling stories with data. Because as I learned on Reddit, you can't just take a picture of a spreadsheet and be like, ooh, look at people's numbers. Like People can't skim numbers and be like, ooh, this is interesting. You have to actually create a pretty chart out of it that makes sense for people and attracts them to actually care about it. So it's step one is taking the data and manipulating it. But then step two is then taking it and can we mix it with something else? So can we correlate screen time to Instagram growth? So something that's always really fun for people to look at are the fan favorites will get a ton of screen time and a ton of growth. But then the villains now they get a ton of screen time and no Instagram growth. So, oh wow, wow! Combining factors like that and creating inter- interesting charts is how you can kind of bring those together in a way to get people excited about the data. Interesting. I assumed the villains would also have growth because, like, murderers on Instagram have growth. So I just figured <laughs> alleged. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, like anyway. Sorry. Yeah, all the net, ne- all the Netflix like true crime docu series, like those people come out with Instagram following. <laughs> so I thought that so would the villains of the Bachelor. But okay, so what are some of the most popular visualizations that you've done? So I mean, every week everybody's always interested in everybody's Instagram growth. But I think what people really want to see is 
can we correlate something that happens on the show to who's going to win? Because I mean, there are spoilers out there. Yes, like th- that it that does exist. But can we look at things like fireworks dates or who gets to meet like family members before hometown dates, like different things like that, and what they can what they can tell us? So actually. This next week um, that we're filming this right now, we're about to see episode five, which on The Bachelorette is notoriously where either final one or final two gets their first one-on-one date. And in the preview, we see that somebody gets a fireworks show on their date. And then we also see that The Bachelorette is going to her hometown and one of the contestants is going to meet her best friends. So this is going to be like a big storm for whoever gets the one-on-one dates this episode, that they are probably going to go very far. I love it. (laughs) I live with two lesbians who are obsessed with The Bachelor, and they're constantly trying to explain to me why it is fun to watch. And so I have been trying to watch it with them. And I have found it very interesting that after the sort of social unrest of 2020, They had a black bachelor and two black bachelorettes within a year, which seems wild. Has the data told you that that was going to happen before? Or is is there any data to support why they're doing this now? Yeah, I think this... So this is a difficult topic in Bachelor Nation. And there have been multiple lawsuits with the franchise where... I mean, there were actually seasons where they didn't cast a single non-white contestant for, I think, four or five years. And there were some lawsuits around, you know, racism within the casting process. So we have seen an uptick in the casting process during the summer of 2020, during the resurgence of Black Lives Matter. We we saw the producers put out a statement where they were committing to showing more diverse love stories. And this had been frequently um, commented on about the show is that they would cast these people of color And we had people like on Colton season. I mean, this was three years ago. Three years ago, Tasha made it to final four. She ended up becoming the Bachelorette in this this last year in 2020. Mm -hmm. But she made it really far on the show, and we hardly saw her. And you know, just historically, they would only show white love stories. So they made this commitment to show more diverse love stories, and we've seen an uptick in it. So. My first season where I really started to analyze this show beyond just Instagram followers was Claire and and Tasha's season. So it was after the statement that the Bachelor franchise put out. And I started analyzing screen time because like people were saying, it's one thing if you cast these people, but are you showing them? Mm -hmm. And I started doing these race representation posts and it it wasn't great. Wow. But it has been getting better. It, it has been increasing. Michelle's season has been fantastic in terms of showing more diverse love stories, but she also is keeping more people of color. And the tough thing when it comes to analyzing this data, right? I'm analyzing screen time, but it's also a human being on the other side dating people. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, this was a common topic around Matt's season because he said he was the first Black Bachelor. He said, you know, I don't want to feel pressured, you know, being the first Black Bachelor. I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, he said at the beginning of the season, he felt this big pressure to be the first person. And, you know, he, his mom's white, his dad's black. And 
you know, I think it's difficult when it comes down to screen time to analyze, you know, who they're choosing to go on a date and who's getting more screen time. But I think, you know, the Bachelor franchise, they have recently elevated a black woman to executive producer. There were, it was all white executive producers on their end. I know you can't see it, but this is my surprised face. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, a t- <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough subject, right? It's, they're having to to hit these hard topics and, you know, there is a good chunk of their audience that necessarily isn't interested in the franchise talking about these things or addressing these things mm-hmm. or even thinking that they or what the previous host said um, at the beginning of uh, this year as being problematic. So it's it's a difficult time in the franchise for sure. So just to be super clear, you analyze the data and they started having people of color and then gave them less screen time. Is that, is that what the data showed in terms of screen time? I mean, I, so I only started collecting screen time about a year ago. So okay. there, there has been screen time before what I've analyzed that mm-hmm. we just saw without the data. Just, right. you know, there were people like Tasha who made it very far in the franchise and we just never saw them yeah. on their season. <laughs> but it's, you know, the tides are changing. They are, yeah. they are showing more people of color now. Allie was like, I wonder when they'll have a gay or maybe it was Matt was saying, I wonder when they'll have a gay bachelor where it's like, you know, same sex competition. Right. And I was like, I'm sure they will have a, a, a white male gay guy before they have a straight South Asian man like be the bachelor. I, that's definitely going to happen first. And it'll be one kind of diversity as an offering that just looks different, but is actually very similar to what they've already been doing. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's tricky. They're, they're definitely starting to tackle different areas of diversity. We saw just before the pandemic um, on Bachelor in Paradise, there was actually somebody who was considered a quote unquote villain for their season. She came on Bachelor in Paradise and she had somebody from back at home that she was talking to who was a woman. And they ended up getting engaged on the show. So it was the first time that they had really tackled, you know, bisexual contestants. And we're seeing in Bachelor, I think Australia, I believe, they have a bisexual lead, which is a first. Wow. So are the contestants men and women? You know, I don't know. I I think it's just one gender. It might be both. Mm. But there, it is something that's being addressed in other countries. And I, I think it's a tougher, it's a tougher formula, right? Because, you know, in theory... If you bring somebody on the show who's bisexual and then you cast both men and women who are possibly also bisexual, they they could also date each other when they're just supposed to be there for the lead. Yeah, that gets complicated, but rowdy. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> I think that's like just what Bachelor in Paradise is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's diversity comes in different ways. It isn't just about skin color. So I think it, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there that you know, we'll see what the franchise does. Well, I would like to steer this more uh, towards the community that you're building, which I think is so funny and interesting because it's both like this hardcore numbers thing and The Bachelor. I, I just like <laughs> love that pairing. So can you tell us about what you've created? It seems like there's a school, you have courses, people are signing up. What? How large is this community? What's going on? Yeah. So I started my, so I moved from Reddit to Instagram about three weeks before the world shut down, but working in education, I had like three weeks of my life in, in the year of 2020. And then I didn't touch the Instagram account until fall of 2020. So 
Last summer, once my account really started to grow, I decided to launch an academy called Bachelor Data Academy. So it is a beginner's intermediate course where you can learn how to use either Google Sheets or Excel, which is launching shortly. So it teaches people how to use these tools, but instead of using boring topics, you use my bachelor data. So it's a little bit more fun. That's cool. And when people sign up, do they get to pick what kind of data they use or does the course sort of dictate what data you use? The course dictates what data you use. The Google Sheets version uses data from Hannah Brown's season, which was a very popular season of The Bachelorette. And the Excel (laughs) version is using Peter Weber's uh, season data. So it's everything from Instagram followers for all the contestants to uh, screen time to their demographics, like their their jobs, where they're from, their ages. And we use that throughout the whole course. Uh, I think there's only one lesson in the entire course that doesn't use that data. Wow. It's really great though, because it, it takes you from here's what Excel is all the way to really complex ways to use pivot tables and VLOOKUP and XLOOKUP in these topics that typically are more complicated to learn if you don't have a background in Excel. And it's applicable to all positions. So whether or not you work in education or you work in finance, or if you're a small business owner, the course is really helpful because it's going to teach you everything you need to use to exceed in what you do. Can can you give us an example? Because you just threw out some jargon like pivot stuff. I don't know. (laughs) What's What's an example of how you integrate The Bachelor? Like I'm in your class. What's an, what's going on? <laughs> well, so a very simple way to use Excel is to use different functions. So like how to average a set of data. So let's say we're, let's say we're looking at the, fi- the average number of Instagram followers for people who were eliminated the week, the first week of The Bachelor. Uh-huh. Instead of here's just a set of numbers and how you use this function, I pose it with something interesting, which everybody wants to know, like how far do you make it on this show and how many Instagram followers do you do you get the further the further that you go? So when I'm teaching that formula, you're using data that's interesting if you watch the show. I love it. So how many courses do you have so far? Just two. So the Google Sheets version launched this summer in July and the Excel version is launching in December. It is like eight plus hours of videos, but they're all small, like chunk size videos. So they're anywhere from three minutes to nine minutes. So you have smaller amounts of information to learn and then apply it. And can you reveal, can we ask how our signups for this course? They're going great. The Google Sheets version was open for two weeks this summer and we have, I believe, over 400 students. Amazing. (laughs) And Excel has not launched at the time of this recording, but when we launched the Google Sheets version, I think I had like 35,000 followers. So we'll see now with, you know, where we're at. I think we're, we just passed 100,000 followers. So we'll see how the Excel version does once it opens. Wow. That's so funny. Excel's never <laughs> been this hot. Corporate training needs to take a note. You know what I mean? It does. It does. Well, I've done a lot of corporate training, not with Excel, but that's the problem is like so much of it's so boring. <laughs> yeah. And we've actually, we've had some, I've had two CEOs reach out asking to buy them in, in bundles for their teams. Yes. Oh, that's it. Yes. And then I'm also talking to one CEO about doing a special training for their company. So get it, girl. It's pretty cool because I mean, 
professional development is the most boring thing. I mean, we've all had to go through it in our careers. And like those days are like, I'd rather sit at my computer and answer emails all day, right? So if you can make it fun and applicable to people, it's going to stick. That's pretty great. I, I want to know how the Bachelor Data account is doing data-wise. Like, have you done the analytics on the Bachelor Data account in relation to the like contestants on the show? Yeah. I mean, I, I track my own data. So I've been tracking my own growth since I started the account, especially Instagram has a really cool analytics feature on the background if you have a creator account. Mm-hmm. But it, it is funny sometimes when you're looking at different contestants. You know, I've, I've had a few people DM me and they're like, you have more contestants than this villain. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So who are the villains that you think are underloved that maybe their Instagram presence is is better than than what the data shows? Oh goodness. I think I think villain is such it's thrown around so much in the bachelor world. I mean, there are villains, one of my favorite villains, two of them are from a while ago. Uh, Olivia Caridi and Courtney Robertson and you know, sometimes people go on the show and they get the villain edit when they're really not a villain. But then, you know, we do have some real villains. Like we have one on Claire season who, my gosh, went down on her and was calling her out for her age. And, you know, we had a, a villain, like I think a decade ago, who called a single mother who was the lead, called her daughter baggage. I mean, <gasps> There have been some really horrible people on the show, but... Oh, my God. Sounds like most of the villains are just misogynists. <laughs> yes. The the men villains typically are a little bit worse than the, than the women villains. But, you know, I think there's a spectrum. I, I think in recent seasons, especially since the pandemic, I think this, this franchise has been struggling. I think people are struggling in general in the world. I think everyone's down. Everybody's struggling with mental health right now. I know I am. And I think there's been a lot of negativity around just people in general on this show. And I think Matt's season, our first Black Bachelor, I think a lot of the women on that season were just painted on social media as villains. And I, you know, my heart goes out to them because they're not villains. You know, they, you know, they're just on the show having fun and got bad edits and you know, I think it's it's just harder right now. I think a lot of these people are getting a lot of hate in their DMs. And, you know, I hate to label people as, you know, true villains. Oh, that's really awful. Yeah, because they're not yeah. actually... Yeah, these are real people. They're not playing a part. I mean, but they are a little bit. Y- yeah. I don't think most people know they're going to get a villain edit, right? Even bad people don't think they're bad. Right. That's what I'm saying. So to get, like, hate in your DMs, like, these are real people at the end of the day. But is there a difference in the data and the follower counts if they embrace their villain position versus if they try to fight it? You know, we used to see that in the past pre-pandemic. We saw when when they just went for it. I mean, these villains used to get hundreds of thousands of followers. And since the pandemic, like they are not, they're hardly breaking <laughs> 50, 60,000 followers. I mean, this season of The Bachelorette, Michelle's, the villains so far haven't even broken 10,000 followers. And I mean, right now we're seeing Chris S is getting the biggest villain edit, and the guy's not even at five thousand followers. What is there a saturation point? Is there? Are you seeing a saturation point in the data? Are there too many damn people to follow? We're twenty three seasons later. How many Instagram bachelors can I or contestants can I keep up with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do think. I mean, saturation is a part of it, but I, I think especially this year we got an extra bachelorette season, which is a first. 
and people are burnt out this season. I mean, Michelle <laughs> yeah. is a great bachelorette, but I did the math. When Katie's season started in the spring, we're getting nine months straight of Bachelor programming if we go all the way through Bachelor this next January. And now there's rumors we're going to get a second Bachelor right after. And I'm like, I need a break. I'm tired of this show. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit like, why are y'all so desperate to keep Throwing the bachelor on, let it have a break. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people are talking about ratings. So that's another data point that people love to talk about. And Nielsen ratings are just very problematic in general. People don't mm -hmm. don't realize they're not actually measuring every single television screen. It's a very small <laughs> subset that they then say, all right, we're going to take these 5,000 people and whatever they watch, we're going to say it's now equal to this amount in millions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the, the ratings have definitely been going down. But I mean, if you look at every season, every season has been going down compared to the previous season. And that's just, there are more TV shows to watch. There are you know, there are just more options than ever, especially since the pandemic, people are moving to other streaming services. But I think, you know, just when it comes to this show, I think people are, they're just getting really picky about who to follow on social media. Wow. Well, that said, who are the good follows? That you're, are you following anyone actively from Michelle season? I follow a handful, the ones that are getting more screen time. And then I also follow anybody in, we call this the 1 million plus club. So it's anybody who from this franchise who has more than a million followers. I'm following them so I can keep track of different news stories. So we just saw Ben Higgins, for example, he got married. So that's going to be a post on how him and his fiance are growing because people are interested in following the, their wedding. You know, those are the people that I, I try to follow people who are going to be in the news more often. So I'll have information on them to report on. Nice. You have your own following now with this. So how is your community interacting? How are they interacting with each other through the Instagram page, you know, through the visualizations? How are they participating? I see a lot of the people in my community, they tag their friends and they have conversations in the in the comment section. You know, if there's a more controversial post, you know, be it villains or screen time, you know, I will see some arguments happening within comments of, you know, people with different backgrounds and ideas on on the topic arguing with each other. But I think the coolest part about the comment section in my Instagram community are the people who give me feedback. As somebody who I am not a data science major, I have no background in data visualization or data science. It's key for me to be able to listen and see how people are understanding my graphics so I can change it and do it better in the future. I love that. Well, the Bachelor Nation is very active and a, a busy community. So have you found people that are like fans of The Bachelor finding you and either asking you about data that they're interested in or asking you to help like people in their families like get good at something with bachelor data. Oh gosh. I mean, I I swear it's like every day I have DM requests of hey, I was watching and I was thinking of this. Have you analyzed this? And <laughs> it's everything from like and the, those actually end up becoming some of my most popular posts are you know, on the night the first night of the bachelor how many women wear what color dresses. So I have this like rainbow analysis that I do of the different colors season to season. You know, it's it's a constant flow of questions and half of them I, I normally can't get to because it's so much <laughs> data collection. Mm -hmm. But that's the coolest part is, you know, people will jump in or 
now they're tagging me in other, you know, like the bachelor's official page. Whenever they post promos, they'll be like, hey, you got to analyze this on this upcoming episode. So it's it's cool because people are starting to think like data analysts because of my content. And it's it's pretty cool. I love that. That's rad. The the clothing colors is a, is a scientific thing. We've actually had trivia on this show about people of both genders wearing red in their Tinder profiles stati- statistically get more swipes or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that would... That would perhaps play out in a season of, uh, of reality television too, I imagine. Yeah, and that is one of the more common colors to wear. There was actually a season. It was Nick Fial's season, I believe. Uh-huh. It was actually a storyline that night of how many women were wearing red dresses. And I mean, probably producer-driven that they told mm-hmm. all these women to show up in those dresses. But it was, it was a topic. Everybody showed up in red dresses that night. Wow, wow, wow. And Nick is actually a very big personality in the Bachelor universe, right? Yeah, he has a pretty big podcast. I think it's the third most rated podcast on Apple podcast for former leads from the show or just people from the franchise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He had, I think it's called the Nick, Fi- uh, the Vial Files. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I have a question. It is not related to this particular part of the conversation, but what happened to the data when Colton came out of the closet? You know, Colton's data was very interesting. So predating him coming out of the closet, he had another big news story. It was, he was dating the girl he chose from his season, Cassie, and they broke up. I'm not, did you guys hear about this part or no? No. Go for it. I just, you know, I figured I should watch an episode for this interview and I watched that one and I know that he came out and it's just really fun watching 30 girls freak out over him. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) so he ended his season early to be with this girl, Cassie. She actually decided to leave and he was like, no, I'm ending the season. I just want to be with you. Wow. Which is like so dramatic and romantic, except for then. Oh, he jumped a fence and he disappeared from production because he was so (gasps) mad. Yeah, it was it was a very dramatic what? season. It was a great oh my It was what? a great first season to analyze. Wait, so she was gonna leave after her dad came back after hometown dates and he was like, Don't do this. So she left and then he sh- basically shut down filming and was like, No, jumped a fence, disappeared. He was trying to run away from production. He he's told in interviews where he was like, I don't know how I'm gonna get on a plane to get back home, but I don't wanna go back. It, it was very dramatic. It was probably great. That's got to be a breach of his contract, unless the whole thing was fucking planned for the views. <laughs> I, I really don't think it was. I mean, he's come out in podcasts since coming off contract, and and he even wrote a book about it. It sounds it sounds like he really broke down on Fran- on the producers and was just really mad at them for you know letting all that go down. But he so he ended the season was with her. Then they broke up. Um, and then the next thing that we heard as viewers of this show was that she filed a restraining order on him. Wow. <laughs> and the restraining orders basically showed he was putting tracking devices on her car, <gasps> uh, hiding in the alleyway of her parents' house. It, it was pretty bad. What? Oh, no. Wait, that's psycho, but also doesn't add up with him being gay. Right? Man, now I need to dive into The Bachelor. You got me now. You got me. <laughs> we got her, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. This was a sting. Oh! <laughs> there is nonstop drama in this franchise, but he, he during this time, he basically wiped his entire Instagram feed. So he archived all his posts and he went silent. So this was from fall 20, like just, just when the world shut down. 
and he only came back onto Instagram at the end of December. And during that time, I was watching his Instagram followers and he was at the 2 million mark and he would drop followers every day, like hundreds of followers, which is normal, right? Everybody loses followers every day. People people will unfollow and follow you. But he overall was losing hundreds of followers every day. Wasn't in the news. This was once the news story had passed. He wasn't posting. And then every like week or two, as soon as he'd get close to dropping out of the 2 million mark, he would suddenly gain like 10, 20,000 followers. Hmm. And then he'd start dropping again. So it was something that very much, I mean, it looked like some... He was buying them? It looked like it, yeah. And, and obviously, we, can, we can't prove that, right? But the only things we can look at are the variables. Wow. But when he did come out, he did see a massive surge for, I think it was about four or five days afterwards. And I think it was a hard time, too, in Bachelor Nation because especially as somebody who, you know, is closer to that community, seeing his interview and hearing, you know, on Good Morning America when he came out and he was like, I thanked God the morning that I was chosen as The Bachelor because I thought he was giving me a chance to not be gay anymore. And I think a lot of people's hearts, you know, were broken for him, right? You know, they they went out for him, but I think you can be in that space, but also have empathy for Cassie for being stalked and harassed by him. At the same time. Yeah. But also, if he is gay, why is he stalking and harassing a woman that he doesn't even want to bone? Like, what's happening? Well, he thought she was his only chance to not be gay. Oh, I see. I see. People aren't well all the time. I think there was a big conflict there with his, you know, I've listened to some of his his interviews, but I haven't done a deep dive into it. But I think there was a lot of conflict there with his with his religion. Gotcha. Okay. No, I like that psychoanalysis that she was like his last hope of not being gay. Well, okay. That was <laughs> that was wild. Thank you for that summary. So that I don't have to watch. Okay. Now all the new Bachelor listeners hate me. Okay. How many couples have actually resulted from the show and lasted? Do you track that? Yeah, it's not a lot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Higher or lower than the American average divorce rate? Ooh, great question. All right. Well, let's hear the data. It's much lower. I think the average mm. divorce rate is is just under or just over 50%. Mm. Last I heard, it was like 50-ish. I don't know that that's true. And I, I recently read an article that that was um, the 50% thing is is wildly overstated. Yeah. The So basically, there's a very big difference between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette franchise. So from The Bachelor franchise, which remind you, it's been on much longer than The Bachelorette. There has only actually been one person who stayed with the person he actually chose at the final rose ceremony. So that's Sean and Catherine. Wow. There are three other couples that are still together, but there's different variations with them. So there's Jason and Molly, which he chose somebody else and then broke up with her and then went back to his final two. That same thing happened with Ari and Lauren. So technically, they are successes from this franchise. These two couples also have babies. Like They are a success, but they didn't actually stay with their final person. And then our first Black Bachelor, he is still with his final person, but they broke up at the batch after the final rose, but then allegedly not. When he found out she was a racist. <laughs> yeah, so they said they broke up, but I think in interviews they said that it, it you know, they're back together now. So yeah. it seems like they've worked things out. Interesting. That's nice. So then Bachelorette is a little bit more successful. So there are five couples that are still together. Wow. And 
They are with their final people. So we have Trista and Ryan. We have Des and Chris, and then Jojo and Jordan. Uh, Jordan's really big in the ESPN world. Uh, he's sibling. His sibling is Aaron Rodgers. <gasps> Yikes. It's a rough time in their family right now, too. Yeah, I, that was a, a big topic on on that season. Wow, wow, wow. And then we had Rachel and Brian, which Rachel was the first Black Bachelorette, and then Tasha and Zach are still together. But since the pandemic, we are not doing great with the odds right now. We have a lot of couples that have broken up. <gasps> During the pandy. Oh, no. Yeah, so Claire and Dale broke up. We also saw Katie and Blake just broke up, so... We don't know about Michelle yet. We don't know how her season ends. And so what trends have you noticed because of your data about the pandemic? Oof. Uh, I think the biggest hit has been Instagram followers. I think, you know, it, it isn't helping with Instagram that there was the big rise in TikTok since the pandemic. That's pulling a lot of people away from spending time on Instagram. But then I think on the positive side, you know, we are seeing more people of color casted. We are seeing more screen time for people of color. So there are some positive trends too since the pandemic started. Yeah. I think there have been more black people on, but I feel like there, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a South Asian person on The Bachelor, and I'm a very casual watcher of The Bachelor. But have there been any South Asian people? We had, uh, his name is Dr. Joe. He, he's Asian, who made it, I mean, decently far on season 16 of The Bachelorette. And then he was also on Bachelor in Paradise. I know he's, he's very well loved by The Bachelor world, especially because he is a doctor and he did a lot of advocacy on his Instagram during the pandemic, teaching people about what is this virus? How does the vaccine work? But yeah, they are significantly undercasted. I love, though, that he used his social media influence <laughs> to be able to educate people on public health. I'm into it. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. It, it's pretty cool. It's cool to see people, too, using their platforms in different ways, right? I'm never going to hate on anybody who uses their, their franchise for advertisements or for showing ads on or trying to sell clothing or lifestyle. It's just oversaturated, but it's cool to see when people go on this show and then they get a following and they use it for something unique or to help people. Yeah. He's cute. I just Googled him. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he's East Asian though, right? Which, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of harping on this, sorry, but like there's a lot of more acceptability with like Korean people and Japanese people and Chinese people than there are of like Indian people and Thai people. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like The Bachelor is getting like a, a, a lot of hand claps for you know, having more black people on, but there are also more people than just black and white people in America. And I feel like there's 20 people every season. You could have 30 someone, everybody look different and still be, you know, skinny and young, which it seems like the absolute number one thing, even beyond race. <laughs> there was a lot of love this season on Michelle's season. There was a contestant named Pardeep who made it the furthest that an Indian contestant has made it on Oh, there we go. The Bachelorette. So, and there was a lot of love. I mean, Reddit rallied around Pardeep, which is pretty cool, and he has a podcast <laughs> too on science and it's again another person who's doing some cool stuff with his platform. That's hot. But also I'm confused why like um science and medicine professionals want to go on The Bachelor? I don't know. Yeah. To find love. Well, they're single too, Allie. It seems like it's at odds with their career goals. They are also <laughs> single. But like, that's what they're looking for? I don't 
don't know. Anyway. So are there any announcements or anything you'd like to share regarding the the Bachelor Data School? Yeah, I think it's an exciting time launching the Excel course. Um, if anybody is interested or if you have a family member who likes The Bachelor who would be interested, send them my way. My account is just Bachelor Data. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and then trying to navigate the world of TikTok, which makes me feel exceptionally old. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what we're up to. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been delightful and I feel caught up and like I possibly don't need to watch The Bachelor, but that I, I am following Bachelor data. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe we should watch Michelle's season and be on board for Pardeep, who also we know is gone already. <laughs> it's a good season. Nice. Oh my gosh. I think I would learn Excel from Bachelor data. <laughs> and I've never wanted to learn Excel in my whole life. <laughs> I feel like uh this episode is inspiring in the most amusing of ways because it really is like a do what you love. You know what I mean? Like, don't yeah. let anyone stop you. Do what yeah. you love. Like, bachelor data. You know, like, it's such a great pairing. And it's such a good testament, too, to making things fun. Like, I, I, I don't know why anything is dry and boring. <laughs> you know, there's a way to make it fun. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. People are like, you have to be serious so people pay attention. I'm like, most people zone the F out when things are too serious and too boring. And the world is kind of dark right now, too. So it's like, I think everyone wants to learn while being amused. Yeah. Allie will remember Lawyer Slack, remember? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. uh, Keith from Lawyer Slack, one of our earliest episodes was like, law firms and corporations have spent billions trying to get lawyers online to communicate with each other and he just like started a slack room where it's like hey let's talk about sports let's talk about game of thrones and that's where the and the lawyers like we're like yeah let's hang out here and it became a professional hangout for professional people because it was not boring i think ali you're that put it on a t-shirt what <laughs> nothing has to be boring is a good mantra i love it keep it fun Put it on um, your dating profile. Hey. Oh, hey. God. So over that whole nonsense. Oh, now we're, uh, now we're off the apps again? I don't know. They're there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, guys. I um, We should just apply for The Bachelor. Listen, yeah. I picked up a dude on the plane home from Panama, and we went on a date, and he <laughs> was... So, okay, so he's going Everything through a divorce. You hoped for. Oh, God. He's going through a divorce. And I asked him, like, what happened? And he said to me, like, my wife really wanted me to take a step back from my career and focus on the kids. And I told her she should get a nanny then. Oh. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh. Like, first of all, to say that and to, like, think that's okay to tell a stranger. Like, I... And that he thought it was like totally acceptable. Like she wanted me to take a step back in my career. Like that's crazy. I told her to get a nanny. I was like, wow, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like you guys know, I don't even think I want kids, but like, yeah, that is like a, that even is that. a fool's <laughs> asshole. Like you still, like, I, wow. You know what he did though? He really won because he, he didn't have to step back from his career and now he only has the kids like every other week yeah <laughs> I know. yeah, yeah i know i was just yeah. like damn i can't do this i, I can't don't know do i feel like there should have been a little more conversation in that whole relationship <laughs> listen i mean i 
I'm sure there's, uh, let's say, benefit of the doubt, there are some nuances that maybe, you know, maybe he summarized it badly, but I'm like, that's pretty bad yeah. to say. It was a bad response. summary. That's I think a lot of people need a nanny. <laughs> So Speaking maybe of divorce, I should go uh-oh. on th- what? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of divorce, it's not exactly related, but I did want to find the New York Times source. Mm. Uh, the fifty percent d- divorce rate in the U.S. has been a persistent myth for since the nineteen eighties. Okay, uh, interesting. It is it is not true. And New York Times did a piece in twenty fourteen, and it's been covered uh, since then. Uh, divorce rates have actually been declining since the eighties. The fifty percent rate is is a myth, and uh, it says here about seventy percent of marriages that began in the 1990s reached their 15th anniversary. So there's obviously a lot of nuances and overlapping generational stuff going on. Um, but just I did want to point out that 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 watermark of like, oh, is it better than the than half of marriages breaking up? Like that's not uh, not accurate. Maybe I, I half of marriages should break up. That could that, that that's a different point, and I think there's much more to explore there for sure. Wait, so what? So is there is there a number that is real, like of the seventy percent? Because like marriages make it to fifteen years. It's, yeah, it's saying seventy, but but again, couched in nothing is. It's hard to say all marriages, but the the, the statistic here pulled out from 2014 is that 70 percent of marriages that began in the 90s, a span of 10 years, have yeah. reached their 15th anniversary. Right. Are they still? Go- Who knows? There's a lot of nuance yeah. there, but it's yeah. it's not half. I'm sure it sure. also depends based on geographies. There's yeah. probably socioeconomic breakdowns, like the you mm-hmm. know, all those Age. stats that just lump everyone together is like pretty amusing because <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Well, I can't wait to become a statistic of marriage. <laughs> Let's make it to seventy percent. Whoever's out here listening and willing to marry me, if you want to date Lindsay or me, you can reach us. We're at Allie underscore Goldie across all platforms, and I am at the Lindsay Life across all platforms. Lindsay with an E. You better get it right, or we're not meant to be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can also call Did us, leave you? us a voicemail. We love those. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. I like the idea of a of an Instagram account getting like 400 marriage proposals because they think it's you, but they spelled it wrong. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah, slide into our DMs. Yeah. All right, you can also email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you enjoy this show, please, please, please consider contributing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash 2G1P. Even a dollar a month really adds up and is so helpful. We're a small operation. Uh, I'm recording from my closet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> is that, oh, Discord. Join us on Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. We're having conversations there. People are suggesting guests. Um, and also, as, yep. go to our Facebook page, mm-hmm. just which as is Facebook pretty began fun. to really be defunct, we started yeah. a Facebook page. So It's like an old-timey retro thing <laughs> that you can check out and... Yeah. Uh, give us suggestions there post funny pictures we don't know whatever you like put it there we want to like it too so go to you on facebook you can search two girls one podcast and we will pop up our beautiful faces i think that's all so thanks so much and good night bye two girls one podcast
podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg, then sent on a dune buggy date with a muscular finance bro from Coral Gables, Florida, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Please disconnect from my device!